Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I am so excited about this hour. I have been looking forward to this. My friend Jeff Redorn is in studio. He's a Bible teacher, mentor, friend of mine. And we started chatting, I think as early as yesterday, about this topic. And I was in a lather. I said, Jeff, (laughs) we have to talk about this because this is something that I wonder if like 99% of all Christians have not thought about this. Well, so this I, is this is one of those little tidbits I think we're going to have a lot of fun with today. I didn't think about this until about two weeks ago. So, but you also uh, is that I thought you thought about it over the course of twenty years. <laughs> no, I mean you've taught about it over I, the course of twenty years. I have taught about Jesus's resurrected body and the fact that we will be resurrected, and we'll talk about that today. Yeah, we will for over twenty years. But this particular issue, no, I've never considered what we're going to talk about today. Okay, let's set the table for what that issue is. All right, well, so I'm doing this class called uh, The Life of Christ, and it's everything about Jesus from beginning to end, right? So we started with really before the beginning, because Jesus is eternal with the Father before the beginning. He is instrumental in creation, Old Testament prophecies for Christ, then his incarnation, uh, what happened on the cross, and then, of course, his resurrection. So in the last couple weeks, I've been teaching about the resurrection appearances of Christ, which we are going to walk through today over the next hour. And what is the glorified body, and what does it look like? All right. Well, a couple weeks ago, Someone mentioned about whether or not I'd ever considered whether or not Jesus didn't have the scars of the piercing on his hands and feet. And I said, no, I've never really considered that. But I thought, started thinking about Scripture, started rushing into my head about kind of all the resurrection appearances and different things. And I said, no, Thomas says, or Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger into my side. And it's kind of like, well, case closed. But there was something about this that kind of gnawed at me. Like, there's something here. And it sent me into two weeks of studying kind of every passage related to the resurrection of Christ, our glorified bodies, and kind of the nature of the glorified body. Uh, And any other passages kind of related to this whole question. Did Jesus still have the scars from the crucifixion on his glorified body when he rose from the grave or not? And that's the question we're going to discuss today. Okay. It's going to be a great, uh, great hour. So a couple weeks ago, uh, actually I was talking to someone about this, and we were just talking about some of the things we've actually talked about, several of the things we were discussing on air about what are some of the traditional beliefs in the church that uh, that the tradition teaches but aren't necessarily true. We've talked about one on air. One of our, my favorite ones is whether Jesus was crucified on a Friday, right. therefore Good Friday, or whether he was actually crucified on a Thursday. So we started talking about things like that. And she mentioned this scar thing, that tradition says that Jesus still had the scars. 
And so it's, like I said, it sent me into this tizzy. Now, it's something I've never... Jeff Dorn into tizzy. I know, I was. And for two weeks here, I've been covering it. I just taught this for the first time on Sunday in my Sunday class. And everybody just went, oh, I think you're right. I think this is so cool. So look, let's establish a couple things before we start going through this. All right. Jesus rose from the dead. Right On day three, on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. Uh, the women found the tomb empty. We'll look at that particular uh, passage in just a minute here. And that Jesus was glorified. He was raised in his glorified body. And then the last truth I want to proclaim, and we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end, is that because Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised. So we have passages like Philippians that says, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So here's the truth going into this, that Jesus was raised into a glorified body and we too will be raised in a glorified body. Now, this is one of the questions that over the years on teaching on this, people would always ask me during uh, during my classes, well, if Jesus' scars are still visible, won't my scars also be visible? Good question, right? Because Jesus' scars are still visible, wouldn't that mean that my scars and my glorified body will still be visible? And I typically have answered, well, no, I really don't think your appendix scar is going to be visible. I don't think there's anything eternally significant about your scar on your abdomen as opposed to the scars that are on Jesus. But that kind of leaves the question, are Jesus's physical scars eternally significant or not? Does he bear those scars for eternity or not? So I've, when I've taught that, no, you, you won't have your scars for all of eternity. Don't worry about that. But there's always been something inside me that goes, well, I, I guess that's right. But it just, it still did, never sat right with me that Jesus in his glorified body still had scars, but we in our glorified bodies don't have scars. Now, Obviously, one of the alternatives is that we will still bear our scars in our glorified bodies, right? But I don't think that is the case. So, so Jesus is, so I taught that Jesus' scars were somewhat different than our scars. But why would Jesus have scars in his perfect, glorified, resurrected body? Right? So, so I, so we get back to the Thomas, and I go, and and you might be saying, well, well, wait, 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 wait. What about Jesus and Thomas? Jesus says to Thomas very clearly, he says, "Put your fingers into my side." Sounds like checkmate. It does. Case closed. Yeah. Right. If it really says into. Now remember, we read the Bible in English. And it was originally written in Greek. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes a little Greek understanding can go a long ways. So one of the things I started looking at was, okay, what is the original Greek and what does it say? Oh, we're going to get there in a minute to Thomas's story in a minute. And What if I can't wait? <laughs> what if I want it now? 
Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll do it now. The Greek word that says into in the story in John chapter 20 can mean into. It's the Greek word ice, by the way, E-I-S. And it can mean into, but it can also mean onto or towards or against. In other words, it's just as valid to say that Jesus said to Thomas, put your hand here, look at my hands, put your hand onto or against my side, right? Hang on to that thought because we're going to read the whole account of Jesus and Thomas. But know that the Greek actually does not confirm into. It can mean into or onto or against, all right? So mm-hmm. we're going to... We're going to get there. So point one, let's, let's back up now for a second. What did Jesus look like after his crucifixion? If you think about what happened to Jesus, first he was beaten, whipped, scourged. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released to them Barabbas, but Jesus he scourged and delivered to his crucifixion. Now, if you understand this Roman scourging, this was a a whip, a short whip, typically with multiple tails or multiple uh, uh, pieces of leather, generally shorter, but they would be knotted up and they would oftentimes tie in pieces of metal or shards of pottery or glass or whatever. This is, it's even hard to describe this, but when they would scourge somebody, they would whip them and these pieces of leather would cut across the body and these sharp objects would literally just rip flesh. Some of these would wrap around the body and wrap around the different limbs and all over the body and literally it would just tear flesh apart. All right? That's what happened to Jesus. Don't forget that he also, he says that he gave his back to those who would beat me, Isaiah 56, and my cheeks to those who would pluck my beard My face I did not shield from the buffets or the hits. So Jesus was beaten. He was, his beard was ripped out. He was scourged. Don't forget the crown of thorns that they poked on his head that probably would have poked through his scalp and his skin. I mean, we are talking about a a physical beating that, that many people would die just from the scourging. All right. Now, why did we have to go through all that? Because it's painful, isn't it, to hear this? Yes. About what, when God, as the creator of all mankind, comes to earth and man kills God. Oh, I tell you. In the most horrific way. In the most horrific way. Yeah. I mean, was it Isaiah or Micah said he'd be beaten beyond recognition? Oh, that's my first, that's my next verse. Oh, okay, here. good. Perfect. I'm a little heavy. You know, and we're I, at break time. Should we break? Yeah, let's is break. It is a good yeah. place to do it. It's because he, yeah, we'll read, we'll read from Isaiah okay, 52 good. when we get back. Jeffrey Dorn's my guest in studio. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue this absolutely riveting study on the wounds of Jesus and his glorified body. Be right back. Never win. 
Bible teacher, mentor, all-around great guy. We're talking about the wounds of Jesus and his glorified body today. This is an absolutely fascinating study that we're doing. And right before a break, we were talking about the crucifixion, which is so hard to hear, Mm. even though I know the story. Just bringing it up again and the sacrifice that was made is so painful. And yet the prophet, I believe it was Isaiah, said Mm -hmm. he was beaten beyond recognition. He had more than just a black eye. He was in bad shape. Well, exactly. I mean, you, that's exactly where your mind went right before break, and that was the next verse I had in my notes, that he was, Isaiah 52 says that he was disfigured. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. Now, that's an Old Testament prophecy for what was going to happen to Jesus on the cross, and that's what happened. Jesus was was beaten and scourged beyond recognition. Um, have you seen the passion of the Christ? Do you remember that yes. scene? I mean, you could not even tell who that actor was anymore in that movie. And 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 the scary part is it was probably even worse than oh, that. No, it, it was worse. Yeah. And so, he was naked. Yeah, and uh, exactly. So his body was just um, a mess. Yeah. And, and and you wouldn't have recognized him even if you knew him. So so the question then point, okay, so the point, why did I go through this? Well, I think, I think we can safely assume this. When Jesus now starts appearing, and, and the first appearance is Mary at the tomb, and we'll talk about that in a second and read that story. Did, did Jesus still have all of the wounds from his scourging? You see what I'm saying? So we are going to distinguish here. Most people would say, well, no, he didn't. And I think we can assume that from the resurrection appearances. Because if he would have had all of these wounds, the beard, the thorns, the beating, the black eyes, the the beard pull out and the scourging marks, as soon as he showed up to, to Mary in the, in the garden, you know, right outside the tomb, that Sunday morning... I think she would have recognized him immediately, not as a gardener, as the text says, but as the crucified Jesus. So I think we can assume that all of those were healed, all in his glorified bodies. He didn't, st- he didn't have any of the scars from his scourging or his beard or his thorn- corn- crown of thorns or whatever. So here's the story, John 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had been. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Now if he would have still been all marred up, I think she would have realized it immediately. You see what I'm saying? He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him. I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she finally recognizes him. Wouldn't any living person be confusing to Mary? Because Mary is looking for a dead body. 
Exactly. And if he would have been all marred and, and walking around, I think she would have immediately recognized that. Mm. She didn't. She just saw a person, yeah. a complete, whole, nice-looking, unbeknownst to her, glorified right. person, right? Mm-hmm. So in, there's no mention of any scars, um, and she obviously doesn't see any scars, and there's just no mention of them in the story. Now let's go to the second appearance of Christ, and that's with a group of women who also show up at the tomb. And I'll just read from verse 9 and, and 20. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who were with them, and they told the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Now, we know that they had some kind of appearance, but it doesn't describe it. So there's no description or of scars or anything. So we don't pick up anything from that. The next resurrection appearance is from Luke 24 where he appears to Simon. And they're talking about this resurrection, and and the disciples say, it's true, the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. But once again, we have no details about that appearance. It just says that he appeared to Simon. Now the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Once again, we have two men that are clearly talking and communicating with a man. Let's see what happens. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they discussed these things, Jesus came up and walked alongside. He asked them, what are you discussing? And they stood there still with faces downcast, and one of them said and asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? You know, this is kind of an interesting point, that it points out that everybody in Jerusalem knew what was going on with this Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and to be crucified. Now, I argued, I argue that, again, if he would have borne all of the scars from his scourging and his crucifixion, they would have noticed it. But instead, they're talking to a man as a normal person, as a normal man. And they explained what happens, and then poof, Jesus disappears. And, uh, and he then appears in a locked room. Now, I, I'll also say this, by the way. Some argue that Jesus was not resurrected to his glorified body, and I don't know, understand why they argue that, but just to, let's settle this. Jesus is in his glorified body from the moment he stepped out of that tomb. All right. He appeared and disappeared. He appeared in locked rooms and he flew up to heaven in Acts chapter one. He has completely healed. He is in his glorified body, just like the body that we will get. So, but once again, on the road to Emmaus, no mention of any scars. Then Jesus appears in the locked room in Luke 24 with the 11 disciples, excluding Thomas. All right, here we go. Here we get to the Thomas thing, or just about to the Thomas thing. While they were still talking, Jesus himself stood amongst them. Peace be with you, he said. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Now, they're not realizing what they're seeing yet, right? And they're thinking they're seeing some kind of spiritual being, a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I. 
myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Now, he shows them his hands and his feet. Now, remember, it's really his wrists, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus was crucified, and that nail went through his wrist, not through his hand. So it's, it, and, and it just says hands and feet. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of the joy and the amazing, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So why did he show them his hands and feet? He was showing them, hey, look, I'm not a ghost. I am what? He said it. I am flesh and bones. Now, picture in your mind that story, a, a wrist that are completely healed as opposed to wrists that still have holes in them. The story is, means the same. The story is just as powerful. He's saying, look, I've been healed. I'm glorified. I'm flesh and blood right before. I'm not a spiritual being. But the key here is now that Thomas wasn't there. The next resurrection appearance, which would have been a week later, is to Thomas. Now, here's kind of, if this says into, it's the case closed. But John 20 again. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So this is where we get Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas, I'm going to call him stubborn Doubting Thomas, all right? Because he's basically saying, no, I'm not going to believe the testimony of the other 11. I'm not going to believe until I see the evidence with my own eyes. I'm not going to believe other what others say. I have to see it myself, right? That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, here's another case where Jesus appeared in a locked room. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out and put, your, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Well, like we said at the beginning, if that really means into case over. He still has his pierce marks, but it can also mean onto, against, or even towards, all right? So we need to, let me redo this story when we get back from the break, right? Do we have to take Mm -hmm. a break? Yeah, we got to take a break. We'll redo this story just a little bit and picture it without anything, and I'm going to show you what it sounds like. That'd be great. Jeff Redorns, my guest, we're continuing uh, our discussion on the wounds of Jesus We're going to do that the rest of the hour. And if you uh, have a question or or a comment, you can certainly send it over, 877-933-2484. Be right back. I normally don't talk over my music, but I can't wait to get back. 
Uh, that was the longest 90 seconds ever. Because I want to get back to this. We're talking to Jeff Verdorn, the wounds of Jesus and his resurrected body. We're really at a critical point, Jeff, and I want to start really going through this. When um, uh, In John, when he, when he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So let's go through this. If this really says onto, this word for into, this Greek ice, E-I-S, if it really says onto or against, let's picture this story again with Jesus not having any scars. Okay, just picture that for a second. And Thomas is sitting there with the disciples. They've already seen Jesus. And stubborn doubting Thomas, I renamed him here, stubborn doubting Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I stick my fingers into these holes from the crucifixion, right? And he's not believing the testimony of the other disciples. He's waiting to see and, 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 and wanting the evidence of the holes himself. Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, put your, look at my hands. Put your hand against my side, onto my side. See, I'm healed. I've risen. I've been resurrected. I'm in my glorious, glorified, resurrected body. I've conquered death once and for all, and I'm here right before you. And Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God. He recognizes who this person is. Now watch what Jesus says to him. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The proof for Thomas was seeing Jesus, not seeing his scars, not putting his finger into his side, right? Because you have seen me, you have believed. The proof was seeing the risen Christ. Thomas was demanding other evidence, specifically the scars. And I think Jesus came along and said, look, Thomas, I don't have one mark on me. I'm fully glorified, and I'm here. And now that you've seen me, you've believed. Now, I think the whole passage, what this is about, is actually not about scars at all. It's about why Thomas didn't believe. Notice what Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, that's you, Bill. That's me. That's every one of us. We have not had the opportunity to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We have to rely on the testimony of others, right, who wrote about it in the Word of God describing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have to believe the 11 and their testimony about the risen Lord. We can't be like the stubborn, well, Some are like that. How many times have you talked to an unbeliever and said, I just wish God would make himself more plainly known? And I I always say, actually, if you're listening, he's actually shouting from heaven in lots of different ways. But that's another story. So Thomas saw the Jesus, you have seen me and have believed. And we are the ones that Jesus actually says we are blessed because we have believed and have not seen. So here's the, the kind of the next point. I think the picture of the glorified body is the perfected, the immortal 
glorified, resurrected body. I don't think Jesus had the scourge markings from the flogging. I don't think he had the piercings from the crucifixion. I don't think he had the scars from the crown. I don't think his face was still marred from them pulling his beard. And I don't think he had one mole or pimple or dot or scratch or scar anywhere on his perfected, resurrected body. I think he was perfect. All right. Now, there's a couple verses that I started thinking about right away. The first one is Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, John sees this picture of heaven. And you remember the scene. God is sitting on the throne. He's got this scroll. And John begins to cry because no one's worthy to take the scroll out of God's hands. And then an angel says, no, look, behold, look, the lamb. And John's, it's, I'm sorry, then says John sees a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And I've always kind of assumed that he looks like he's slain because he still has the marks, the scars, the pierce marks, the holes. But with this new understanding, I don't think that's necessary at all. Because remember, John, in John chapter 1, when Jesus first came on the scene, at the start of the New Testament, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, did he see a lamb? No, he saw Jesus. Jesus is being described as the Lamb of God. Paul later says in 1 Corinthians that Christ is our Passover lamb that's been sacrificed. And so this imagery of Christ being our Passover lamb, our sacrifice for the sins of the world, actually starts in John chapter 1. Paul talks about it throughout the rest of the New Testament. And then we see the symbolism of Jesus resurrected in glory at the center of the throne as if he'd been slain. He's our Passover lamb. And I don't think that passage um, necessitates... Necessitates. Necessitate. thank you. Yeah. Him having the actual holes in his hands and feet and side. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I think do. it's just symbolic language that he's the lamb that was slain. Now, there's another one in Isaiah 53 where it says that he was wounded or pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And people say, well, see, it was prophesied that he would be pierced for our transgressions. So those physical wounds need to be there for all of eternity. But the, the passage actually goes on and says, and with his stripes, we are healed. Now, most believe that those stripes are a reference also to his, to his scourging stripes, the wounds all over his body. And nobody insists that those are there. So once again, I think this is a, 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 just a picture, a prophecy of what's going to happen to Christ and doesn't testify in any way, shape, or form whether or not those wounds are still there after his resurrection. Do you see what I'm saying? Totally. So, and then there's one more. It says, uh, John 19, it says this, that the Jews will look upon him who they have pierced. Comes from actually Zechariah chapter 12. This is a reference to when Jesus comes back at his second coming, and Israel, the remnant of Israel that remains at the end of the tribulation, will look upon him whom they have pierced. But once again, it's a reference to what has happened to him. He was pierced. They did pierce him but it doesn't testify or say anything about him still having the marks of that piercing. So 
By the way, there's a couple more resurrection appearances that we should just finish out, and that is the disciples uh, and Peter at the Sea of Tiberias. Remember when they're fishing, and he appears at the the shore, and they're not catching any fish, and he says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. So this is the seventh resurrection, re- resurrection appearance of Christ, and uh, they then catch a lot of fish. They can barely handle it, and they cook some fish, and he eats. So we know that Jesus also ate when he was in his resurrected body. We, I think, will be able to eat when we're in our resurrected bodies. Isn't that cool? And then uh, the eighth one is actually comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where it says more than 500 followers saw him on this mountain uh, at one time. And then 1 Corinthians verse 7 says, and then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. So the next appearance was to James. Once again, there's no mention of scars in either of those. And then last of all, to the, to the disciples on the Mount of Olives. And that is described in Luke 24 and also Acts chapter 1. This is when Jesus goes up to heaven. So let me just read from Acts chapter 1 really quick. They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So this is now 40 days after his resurrection. We're standing on the Mount of Olives. All the disciples are there, and they ask him, are you going to restore the kingdom? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by your own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. And while they were looking up to the skies, two men came dressed in white and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking up at the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way. Once again, no mention of any scars or anything. It was a resurrected Jesus Christ. And the truth here, obviously, is that just as he went up bodily, physically, and visibly up to heaven from the Mount of Olives, Scripture says he's coming back bodily, physically, visibly. You know where to? The Mount of Olives. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so cool. So... There's actually, and, and just to wrap up the resurrection appearances, by, by the way, there's actually three more appearances of Jesus after this. If you remember, kind of think of the New Testament. He was seen by Stephen in Acts chapter 6 or 7. I can't remember. 7. seven Acts chapter 7. When he was being stoned, remember he sees heaven open up and he sees mm-hmm. Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so he saw them, saw him. Paul on the road to Damascus um, some describe this as a resurrection appearance. He actually hears Jesus, but there, he never really actually sees Jesus in, in that account. And then John, of course, in Revelation chapter 5 that we just read, when he sees Jesus in the throne of God, uh, a, a lamb as if slain. And once again, there's no uh, reference or indication of, a, uh, of, of any scars of any kind. So... What do I conclude? I think, Bill, I think I've concluded that Jesus didn't have any scars. I think I've concluded that he didn't have any marks from his scourging. He didn't have any marks from the crown or from the beard or from the beating. And I don't think he had any more marks. I think the account with Thomas was, Thomas, don't demand this kind of evidence I'm here. I'm resurrected. Put your hand onto my side and see that my wounds are all gone. 
And that Greek word is E-I-S. E-I-S, yep. ice. And it can also mean toward or onto. Yep. So, so, so when he said, put your hand in my side, onto, it might have been saying, put your hand where the, the stab mark was. Yeah. And notice that it's not there anymore. Yeah. Now, the same word is used by Thomas just a few verses earlier when he was demanding to put his finger into the, mm-hmm. the holes. But then the same word can also mean onto just a few verses later. So he was looking for that evidence. But I think, and I think one of the big keys is that because you have seen me, you have now believed. So it's, it's not such a slam dunk case anymore. And I think I've convinced myself for the last two weeks um, that I think glorified means glorified. Perfected means perfected. And that Jesus was raised to glory. And, uh, you know, this great truth, by the way, this I know. I know this for certain. That because Jesus was resurrected, so too we will be resurrected. Now, what do we know about the resurrected body? We have the resurrection appearances of Christ. We just read them through them all. He, people touched him. People saw him. He's flesh. He's not a ghost. He ate food, and yet he disappeared and appeared in locked rooms, and he went up to heaven. Well, I think our glorified body will be the same. We'll be able to do those kinds of things in our glorified bodies. Go up to heaven. He flew up to heaven. I mean, this, this is cool stuff. I can't wait for that day. The other, the other place that we learn about the resurrected body that we all will receive, like Christ, is in 1 Corinthians 15. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that this body um, that was raised, um, well, let me, here, let me start reading from 1 Corinthians 15. Do we have a break or how much time do I have? We should probably break. All right, then we'll come back and look at 1 Corinthians 15. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. When we return, get your Bibles open. Jeff Dorn is my guest. We're talking about the wounds of Jesus and his resurrected body. If you've missed any of this, um pretty sure you're going to want to go to the beginning and hear the whole thing. Be right back. making you think today, which is great. I love it. Talking to Jeff Ferdorn, he's doing some very fascinating teaching on the wounds of Jesus and his resurrected body. And I know that one of those key verses, Jeff, and it's worth bringing up again, is what Thomas says. Not until I can put my finger in the holes, right? Mm -hmm. But that's Thomas's criteria. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is sitting there going, Thomas, you got me. You've got the resurrected Jesus in his glorified body. So go ahead, have at it. <laughs> Put your fingers in my side. It's healed. Yeah. Yeah, I think he got the whole thing, and he got more than what he asked for. He got the risen Lord Jesus Christ standing right before before him. And now because he's seen me, you believe, Jesus said. 
and he bows down and says, my Lord and my God. And in all the appearances of Jesus, there is no mention of wounds. No. I mean, he's on the road to Emmaus. How long was that trip? You know, and would they say, you're walking pretty good for a guy with a couple of big holes in your feet. <laughs> and, and, and flesh that's been torn off and, and so on. So, I mean, we somehow have gotten this picture that all the scars of Jesus's scourging and crucifixion are all healed except for these holes. And I think primarily it comes from that word into in John chapter 20, which the Greek can mean onto. And there you go. There's the picture. Mm-hmm. And so I've, con- I'm, you know, I've, I think I've convinced myself over the last couple of weeks that, uh, that Jesus's body, just like our resurrected body, will not have any scars. And when someone asks me in a class, now from this moment on, will I have my appendix scar in all of eternity? I can, I can declare, I think I can declare clearly, no, you won't. And I don't think Jesus had any scars either. We always talk about the cross because that is the that is the, the the point of Christianity is what he did for our sins, dying, mm-hmm. buried, rose on the third day. And the cross is obviously everything. However, when I think of the scourging, that is almost more painful for me to watch in depictions in movies than the nailing on the cross is yeah. the beating. And then it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Mm. And if we are healed by his beatings and scourgings, why do we not have evidence of those? Yeah, that's part of the rationale for the piercing, and I totally agree. I think the scourging would have the same rationale, and I think clearly we can conclude that those are not there because of the resurrection appearances, like you just said. So, you know, the the, the other truth as we wrap this up that I think really needs to be emphasized, and I want to read from 1 Corinthians 15 to maybe wrap this up, because the the truth of the resurrection is the heart here. I mean, I, you know, this is a very interesting discussion, right? Did he or didn't he? But in the end, the core truth that we aren't going to compromise on is that Jesus rose again, right? So 1 Corinthians 15, start in verse uh, 12. But if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Mm -hmm. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. If there's no resurrection, then we are all hopelessly dead in our trespasses and sins. So that's the core. This study this past hour has just been kind of fun. I mean, I've really enjoyed teaching this on Sunday. I've really enjoyed this hour. He, in fact, has been raised. It says, by the way, later in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep first. If he's the first, that means there's more. Remember I told you one of the great promises of God is that we, as believers in Christ Jesus, will also receive a glorified body because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? We must be clothed in immortality, as 1 Corinthians says. 
And so Romans 6, 5 says, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Romans 8 says that he will give life to our mortal bodies and that we will have our bodies redeemed and that we will be conformed to the likeness of the Son. 1 Corinthians 6 that says that we will be raised also. We shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, 35. Philippians 3 says that he will transform transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body, and that Colossians 3, 4 says that we will appear with him in glory. You know what day that is, by the way? When we all will appear with him in glory, that's the rapture. And we've talked about the rapture many times on this on this program. Mm-hmm. 1 John 3, 2 says that we will be made like him. That is the future promise of all that believe that we will be clothed in this glorified body one day. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I'd love to re- revisit something we've t- talked about. And I, I had a listener ask this question, and I don't know if this person has heard the whole hour because we did touch on this, but mm-hmm. she was he or she was asking to address uh, Revelations 5-6 when I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Yeah, that's actually the fir- when when I started thinking about this, and I heard this a couple weeks ago. That's that's the first verse that I thought about. That well, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus need to appear as if he's been slain? But I think I've realized that John the Baptist, at the beginning of the New Testament, John wrote, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." But John saw John the Baptist saw a man. He didn't see a lamb. Obviously, that is. That is symbolic language. He's using a metaphor of the lamb, obviously the Passover lamb, which, by the way, Paul goes on to describe, right? He says Jesus is our Passover lamb, and he was even killed on Passover, right? That's a slain lamb, too. The and, Passover lamb gets his throat cut, right? Right. It, the, the method of the sacrifice, how the lamb is killed, is not necessarily that important. It's the fact that it was slain yeah, for the sins of the world, and the, and the lamb doesn't you know, in some way bear the marks. The, the significance of what happened on the cross is not a physical event. It's a spiritual transaction when God lays on the sins of the world on the sacrifice, right, who shed his blood. So, you know, in a way, how he was killed, on the, it was on a cross through scourging and on a cross. The method, even though it was prophesied in the Old Testament, is not as significant as the spiritual transaction that took place on the cross. And so I think John in Revelation chapter 5 sees that. Even though it's Jesus resurrected and glorified and the throne, we know that. But he describes it as a lamb as if it's been slain. It's the Passover lamb that Paul talked about. He's the lamb of God that John the Baptist talked about. And now he has paid for the sins of the world. And I think that symbolic picture is what is going on in Revelation chapter 5. But that's a great question. That's the that's exactly where my mind went. Mm-hmm. I like that explanation. I'm going to have to think about that some and hear it again, because right now I'm, I'm thinking about we're just almost at the end of the show. And hmm. you've, done, you've done a really great job of taking us through this, showing all of the uh, resurrection appearances, and there's just no mention of anything among all the appearances. And they saw Jesus, and whoa, were there some holes in his hands and feet. Hmm. And we didn't, we didn't hear any of that ever, right? Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, Thomas is the one place, and it can mean onto instead of into. So 
I think that's key. Yeah. I think that Revelation 5 passage is key. And, uh, and I think once you understand all the rest of the resurrection appearances, um, we know that his scourges and all the wounds from that aren't there. And so why would these holes in his hands and feet and his side still be there? Yeah. Uh, this has been really a fun hour. I mean, I know this is something you set up as sort of this is going to be enjoyable, and it has been. But I think this is great topic conversation for small group Bible studies and everything else. It was fun. I was excited to do this today, yeah. so that was yeah. fun. Well, your uh, video is going to be on uh, the Faith Radio website tomorrow. You did a nice little short three-minute video. I did. Two-minute. Two-minute, yeah. So That was the hardest part, by the way, is trying to squeeze some truth into two minutes. Yeah, it's have, like, have you talked just for two minutes? That's know, not, that I, doesn't seem right. Uh, but I did it, and yeah. I recorded it. Yeah, it gets released tomorrow through the, uh, through the email. Yeah, so. So, so maybe next time you're on, you can do a deeper study on that uh, video that comes out tomorrow on the website. That'd be very cool. All yeah. right, Jeff Dorn's been my guest. Thank you so much. If you missed any of this, you definitely want to go to myfaithradio.com and go to the Afternoon with Bill show page and click on this podcast. It'll be up in no time. Thanks for listening today. I have loved spending time with you. Can't wait for tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. See you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.